Jesus gives us a really vivid picture of what's happening. We're told, and came down the rain, and came the rivers, and blew the wind, and it all falls upon the house, literally. It's intense. Uh, we get this sense of unbelievable power unleashed on the house, and yet, it's, and yet whether it, it falls down or stands depends upon where it has been founded. He's probably thinking about the Judean wilderness. Then when rain fell in those mountains, which it hardly ever does, when rain falls, it runs off the land really, really quickly down what are called wadis, dried riverbeds. Uh, it runs really quickly down towards the Dead Sea. So if you stand, as I've had the privilege to do at Masada, looking at the landscape, you'll see, or maybe at Qumran, you'll see coming down the mountainsides just the white residue of the water. It's not there, but when it comes, it pelts down the hillsides and runs off uh, across the landscape. And if you stand at Masada, you can get this picture, actually almost, of a, almost as a child has dragged its fingers through the sand, carving out these channels. Carving out these channels with the rain that comes rarely. Often, what a year or so will go past before the rain comes, but when the rain comes, then come the rivers. They're not there usually. The rain comes, it falls heavily, then it pelts down the wadis over the, over the hills and out onto the plain and into uh, the, the Dead Sea Basin. Happens hardly ever, and yet when it comes, it has carved the landscape like a child drawing its finger through wet sand. So you imagine, you imagine if you're choosing to build a house, well, you would build in one of those channels. It's easier. It's level. There's nothing around it. Actually, it's easy to build there. And, and there's no risk. Well, when was the last time it rained? Well, 25 years ago, maybe, or three years ago, whatever it is. So you can understand the, 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 the comparison that Jesus is drawing. It's easy to build there. It's flat. Doesn't seem risky. But the question, Jesus says, it's not if the storms of life come. It's when the storms of life come. They're going to come. And when they come, it's really, really important where you've chosen to build. Because you know what? Years will go past, maybe decades will go past without one of those floods. But when they come, when the rains come down, when the rivers come, when the wind blows, it will fall against what has been built. And if it's not built on rock, if it's not securely founded, it will fall. Jesus said building on rock is like hearing his words and putting them into practice. That's more of a challenge for us in the West than maybe it's ever been. Our lives are filled with entertainment. They're filled our heads with social media feeds. We can sit in front of our televisions and go all over the world in a single evening and learn about all kinds of stuff from cultures hundreds of years ago that will never affect our daily lives. We can learn about the, about the um, praying habits, the predatory habits of dinosaurs, 
But you know what? Unless Jurassic Park is not fiction, that's never going to affect our lives in Southampton or wherever we find ourselves these days. We learn lots and lots of stuff. Marva Dawn, a, a writer, has pointed out we learn lots of stuff, but we have got used to not doing anything with it. She calls it a low information to action ratio. We learn about lots and lots of stuff, but we're almost spiritually obese in the sense we take stuff into ourselves that we never expect to use. And we've got used to not doing anything with the learning that takes place. So what does this mean for us today? I think the thing to remember is when we hear the teaching of Jesus and put it into practice, we know that we are standing on the rock. We know that when the storms of life come and which of us have known storms like we've known in the last three or four months, when the storms of life come, we will be battered by them, but we will stand. We will stand in the Lord and in his mighty power. So what that tells us is, even in the midst of lots of conflicting advice, even in the midst, in the midst of a culture that's become really fearful about the future and the right way to behave, we remember this, that when we are putting into practice the teaching of Jesus, we are always doing the right thing always doing the right thing. He is the way, the truth and the life. He is the eternal Father. Uh, he is the eternal word sent from the Father to guide us. So we put into practice the teaching of Jesus and know thereby we are doing the right thing. We're told by Paul in Romans 12 too, not to conform to the pattern of the world around us. One translator says, don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mould, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That is hearing Jesus' teaching and putting it into practice. If we do that, we will always be doing the right thing. Some outworkings of this, which I think are relevant for today. The first particularly is, do not judge or you too will be judged, Jesus says. And the way that you judge others, the, the measure, the, the, the yardstick against which you measure others, that will be applied to you as well. We seem to have become quite a judgy people in a culture at the moment. We're judging those in authority, we're judging those around us, we're judging our neighbours as to whether they're keeping the lockdown or not, we're judging what other people are doing all of the time. Um, we're all doing it. I was, in the, I was walking Pippin the other day and two people, you know, not only turned away from, they were wearing masks, they were wearing gloves on a hot day, and they're not, don't, did they just turn away from me, even though I was walking the other side of the path. They stepped off, and, off the path, way up into the undergrowth, and turned away from me as if to say, no, 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 come no nearer. You're a massive, massive risk to us. I judged them a little bit. It's so easy to judge others at the moment, so easy to judge those in authority at the moment when they are grappling with really, really difficult times and massive choices. And when there's so much diversity of opinion, it's impossible to pick a way through it. So let's not judge others. Let's try and see the other person's point of view. Let's seek to see the world through their eyes. Let's always look for the best in them rather than assuming the worst. Jesus said, do not judge or you too will be judged. 
let's be people of grace. The second thing it reminds me of is we need to be radically inclusive as Jesus was. The parable of the Good Samaritan is like going to various uh, areas of Belfast and talking about the good IRA man or the good Ulster man. He's radically, radically challenging the attitudes of those who are listening to him. The last thing they expected was uh, what they thought of as a half-breed, as someone, you know, to be hated and despised. The last thing they expected was a Samaritan to be raised up in front of them as the example they were to follow. It's incredibly challenging parable but Jesus didn't just teach this he practiced it in John 4 when he sat down at a well he asked a well he asked a Samaritan woman to draw uh, draw some water and give him a drink his disciples were shocked when they came back but not as shocked as she was she didn't expect as a Jew or as a man he would dare talk to her because she was beneath his contempt and worse still she was doing it in the middle of the day she was so isolated she came without the rest of the village because she was a she was a, a, a woman with a significant past she'd had five husbands and the man she was with then was not her husband so this was a woman that a good person wouldn't dare to speak to. And yet there was Jesus including her in grace. As the conversation goes on, he said, my father's looking for people who worship him in spirit and in truth. It doesn't matter where we worship previously. And he's already praised her truthfulness. He's saying to her, you are just the kind of worshiper my father is looking for. He is including this woman across a real racial tension. Uh, the Jews hated the Samaritans and the Samaritans hated the Jews. She was a woman with a significant past and it was also across the, the barrier of gender. He reached across all of those barriers and said, there is a place for you in my father's family. He didn't just teach about radical inclusion, he practiced it. At this time, uh, when the world is grappling with issues around race, we need to remember just how radically inclusive our Lord Jesus was. And it takes me back to a church that I loved well when I was uh, its vicar in, in Edgware in North London. We were more than 50% black. It was, without exception, the warmest, most loving congregation I've ever belonged to. And honestly, as a, as a white man from York, I grew up in a, a place where there were no black people. My children were privileged to grow up in a church in Edgware where that was their new normal. They grew up genuinely colorblind in a way that I haven't and still need to make improvements on. I still need to open my mind and my heart to the experience of people of color in our culture. Our Jesus was radically inclusive, radically inclusive before anybody had even invented those words. He reached across barriers of race, barriers of colour, barriers of uh, sex, barriers of morality and included that woman in his family. 
what needs to change in our hearts and minds as we look at those around us who are different from ourselves in all kinds of ways what needs to change in our hearts and our minds and our souls so that we become as radically inclusive as was our Lord Jesus and as he expects us to be today we need to accept one another as Christ accepted us so do we have that kind of radical acceptance of others as Jesus showed in John 4 when he met the woman at the well and the third thing I think is we need to be people who practice forgiveness practice forgiveness both in saying sorry as well as in forgiving others sometimes it's easy to say I'm sorry you feel like that which isn't really an apology at all we're actually kind of saying that the person who's feeling unhappy shouldn't feel like that I'm sorry that you're feeling upset that's not a real apology we need to be people who will forgive we need to be people who will also be happy to say sorry not just to say sorry when somebody comes to us because they're offended but actually be people who will go to make peace again we remember the example of Jesus even on the cross he said Lord forgive them because they don't understand what they're doing they don't understand the enormity of what they're doing they don't understand the crime that they are committing so Lord forgive them we need to be people who are genuinely people of forgiveness but also genuinely people who will seek peace with others so the invitation in these really difficult times where there is so much conflict and where there are so many different opinions the invitation is to hear the teaching of Jesus and put it into practice that is what it means to stand on the rock and that is what it means to withstand the storms of life when they come in what areas do you need to grow in putting into practice the teaching of Jesus know that there's grace know that there's the presence of the Spirit to empower you know that the Lord is with you in it that's the invitation let us found our lives on the rock of his teaching and we will stand and we will always be doing the right thing whatever anyone else might say that's the invitation today and always hear his teaching and put it into practice Amen